Welcome to Always West Seattle, the podcast where the people, places, and stories of West Seattle come together. I'm your host, Keith Bacon. In this episode, we'll talk with two different women bringing their unique talent in art and music to the Alaska Junction neighborhood, and they happen to be right across the street from each other on California Avenue, just south of Dakota Street. But first, we've got a new segment, one of several that I'll be rotating through this podcast over the course of the year, season by season. In this particular segment, we'll be going back in time to explore moments in West Seattle history. And we'll do this through the Jeanette Williams Memorial Time Machine, powered by the Southwest Seattle Historical Society. Let's fire it up and see where it takes us. Welcome to West Seattle 1907. Over an eight-month period that began in January of 1907, the city of Seattle annexed several nearby incorporated towns, culminating with West Seattle. As part of the annexation process, a number of West Seattle streets were renamed in the 1907 Ordinance 17-214. Among the renamed roadways is Dakota Street, crossing California Avenue just a few blocks north of the Alaska Junction. Before annexation in 1907, parts of Dakota Street were known as Alice Street, C Street, Jones Street, Lake Street, and 6th Street. Today, the singular Dakota Street stretches from the western edge of West Seattle at Mequamooks Park, eastward across the Duwamish River to the western shore of Lake Washington. Thanks to the Southwest Seattle Historical Society for letting us take the Jeanette Williams Memorial Time Machine out for a spin. Let us know if there's a time of West Seattle's past you'd like us to explore in the future. Back here in the present day, I recently met two talented women making names for themselves by adding to the colorful fabric of our community. And they happen to be right across the street from each other, just south of Dakota Street on either side of California Avenue. The first one we'll meet is Cheryl Sirio, who got my attention one day just before Christmas with an impromptu performance from her apartment balcony. So I was walking to the junction one sunny winter afternoon, and I heard some music coming from the end of the street. And then once I got to Dakota in California, I realized that the music was actually coming from just south of Dakota. And there you were on your balcony, belting out, (laughs) rocking around the Christmas tree, your Santa hat on. What prompted you to put on this performance? Obviously, I'm a singer. And gigs are very hard to get these days. And I just wanted to spread some holiday cheer around. So I thought it was a a lovely, non-rainy Sunday afternoon. And let's get people in the holiday spirit. Because, boy, we need some good spirits this (laughs) year. (laughs) Have you uh, performed on your balcony before? Yeah, so this was my third The first one was back in March when we all first went into lockdown Mm -hmm. and I went out there and I sang, I will survive the classic disco song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I had my sparkly disco best. And I was also joined by a friend of mine who plays guitar. So Mm -hmm. it was live slash karaoke. And then also I have an ABBA cover band (laughs) called the ABBA Graphs. 
Wow. And uh, we were supposed to do our big annual ABBA night at the Swedish club over in, over on Dexter. Oh yeah. Queen Anne there. But of course that got canceled. So the piano player and his wife, they're musicians and they live uh, off of Marginal Mm -hmm. in West Seattle. And so they came over and we did a little impromptu ABBA concert that we wanted to share with all the people because we couldn't be together and celebrate ABBA. And then the holidays came around and I'm like, oh, I got to do something. So it's been fun. It's like the Beatles on top of their building and, and people are like, what? And I'm always like, oh, maybe the, maybe the, the police will come and get me too or something <laughs> and shut it down. But so far it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> An equally iconic performance for sure. I posted a clip of it on the Facebook page for this podcast, but also one of the local West Seattle Facebook groups and people are still raving about it and just loving it. That just warms my heart. <laughs> what kind of songs do you like to sing the most? So, I do a whole bunch of different kinds of music, anything mm-hmm. from Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald to 60s Nancy Sinatra kind of stuff. I also do Andrew Sisters type music. And then, of course, the disco stuff. I like it all because it makes people happy and people sing along and sometimes they dance. So it's all fun. What has been the reaction from people just passing by on the street to your balcony concerts? There's lots of waving and lots of taking photos and sharing things on Facebook and on the blog and all that kind of stuff. So it's been really cool. How long have you lived in the junction? I've lived in West Seattle since 2000. And let's see. And here, gosh, probably 10, 12 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. What do you love about living in West Seattle? I love that sense of community. Every time you go out for a walk, you know somebody. Just yesterday, there was three people I knew just walking around. And of course, it's there's so many things to do and lots of restaurants. And sorry, my cat is making noise. <laughs> Hi, kitty. <laughs> I hope you're done in there. (laughs) Yeah, this is sense of community out here that's just so great. If someone was to serenade you from a balcony, what song would you want to hear? Ooh, that's a good one. We actually had a friend of ours come by who was an opera singer and Mm -hmm. he did an amazing Nessundorma. Oh yeah. It was like a big Pavarotti number and that Mm -hmm. was quite amazing. It was like you were a throwback and you were in Italy or something. It was very, very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you have any plans for future balcony concerts? I was thinking, well, in February, mid-February, it'll be my birthday and I'll be turning... 50. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And no big plans for a big party or anything. So Mm -hmm. maybe I should do a little best of Cheryl celebrating my birthday concert. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. That would be fun. (laughs) And beyond hanging out on California Avenue Southwest, hoping for an appearance from you, where would people be able to find your music and your performances? Oh, yes. So you can go to many websites, the CherylSerio.com. So C-H-E-R-Y-L, S as in Sam, E-R-I-O. And that also have a link to all my other bands, such as 
the ABBA graphs, and that's ABBA with graphs. And there's also the spiral graphs and the tiki graphs, which do tiki music, kind of Martin Denny, kind of mid-century modern lounge. Cool. And then there is also Blue Plate Special, which is my Andrew sisters. So if you go to my main page, and then you'll find a link to my other bands too. And we also used to love to play at the Parliament, and I hope that stays open. Mm-hmm. That's such a great place to play. And and there's such a great community there too. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for talking to, with me today. And thank you for spreading joy in the junction with your amazing voice. And I will look forward to catching you in concert on the street or someplace soon. All right. Awesome. Thank you, West Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> in that new old-fashioned way. Just across the street from where you might catch Cheryl belting out a tune from her apartment balcony, a new art gallery recently opened with a mission to showcase talent not of a particular medium or style, but of a certain age. It's called Fogue Gallery, and to learn more about it, we talked with founder and owner Patty Curtis. What's the concept behind Fogue Gallery? Fogue Gallery started as an idea for a website about three years ago when I was um, 53 and couldn't find a job and got laid off from my corporate executive position. Uh, I was living in LA. I was down there for about three and a half years for a job. I was an executive director of product development for a multi-million dollar cosmetic company. And I came back up to Seattle and nobody wanted to hire me. I had great experience and nothing, crickets. And I realized pretty quickly that I was over the hill and not hireable at 53 and certainly not in a position to retire in any shape, form, financially, spiritually, emotionally, (laughs) but what it did do is it pissed me off, to be honest, and and it frustrated me. And so I got my uh, degree in fine art from Cornish College of the Arts here in Seattle, and I decided to do my art again, which I'd put on the back burner for about 30 years. And I started selling art, and then I started meeting other people my age, going to galleries, and I decided, you know what, I'm sick of being ashamed of being old, and it's 39 and holding, (laughs) <laughs> and it's such a, an old-fashioned kind of woman thing to do, very Jaja Eva Gabor. Oh, darling, I never tell my age, and lady never tells her age. And <laughs> it's ridiculous. There, it's like there's shame in it, and that's part of where ageism stems, I believe. So I decided to be loud and proud, and I wanted to create this website, so I decided to call it Fogue, because we're old fogies, and Fogue is kind of a millennial slang term for old fogey. Don't be such a fogue. <laughs> And so I, I embraced it as a mother of a millennial and decided to start this website and couldn't figure out how to spell it. But then it rhymed with Vogue and I thought Vogue and Vogue and we're cool and we're hip and we're happening. So I'm going to call it Vogue and I want to do studios for musicians and writers and fine artists and just make this website. And I didn't know how I was going to monetize it. I didn't know how I was going to make money, but I just started asking people, hey, do you want to be part of this website and this movement? Let's make an art movement of people that are over 50 that are still cool and we're 50 and fabulous. And a friend of mine said, hey, you need an art gallery. And he owns a lot of buildings in Georgetown, um, John Bennett, and he found me a building and I took over just a part of it. And I asked these people that had signed up with me and 80% of them said, yeah, let's do it. And we started with 12 of us artists. And then 
We had an art studio that somebody rented and then I ended up just taking over the entire building of 6,000 square feet wow. within a year and a half with 37 artists and five working studios and teaching classes and having art talks and parties and art walks and live music and poetry readings. And it was fabulous. Um, and then COVID happened when it takes a while to ramp up and we were really pretty ramped up and getting a really great reputation. And I moved to Vashon Island. Um, so I lived in West Seattle for 25 years and we wanted to live on the beach and Vashon Island was a lot more affordable than Beach Drive. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot more. Um, so we remodeled a house out here. And then once the bridge went out and COVID and I just couldn't do Georgetown anymore. It was just too much. The return mm -hmm. on investment and time, because it's not a money-making proposition necessarily. I do it for the love of it and to hopefully make my car payment and pay the <laughs> rent on the building. So I got a partner named Carrie Gates, and I said, hey, you want to buy it? Mm -hmm. and she bought it, and now I'm all, I just was able to open up West Seattle. So now it's 960 square feet and 15 artists and a much easier commute. And during the summer, I can ride my electric bike and just hop on the ferry and get it over to West Seattle. And I literally raised my daughter on the block that I'm on for 20 years. It's kind of a homecoming of sorts. It's my micro neighborhood of West Seattle. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, so I love it. So that's been a nutshell, as short as I can possibly make that story of how it all started and how we, we continue to reach out to the community and really empower people that are um, seniors and over 50. And it's been incredibly rewarding. And the level of art and the quality of artist is top-notch. Yeah, yeah. I was in on your grand opening weekend and was very impressed with what I saw. Beyond the age range of the artists, are there particular styles or mediums that we'd be likely to see in your gallery? You'll primarily see a lot of abstract art, two-dimensional art. We do have one 3D artist, and we're looking for one more. And that is what's selling right now, and that's what artists are really exploring right now, it seems for the most part, so abstract expressionist and pure abstract and a lot of mixed media, meaning collage and different types of mediums all on one um, surface and different substrates. We don't have a, a lot of classical landscape type painters. We have some representational artists, but it's not what's in fashion for customers right now. It's not mm. how people are decorating. Things are more modern and contemporary and people want a real splash of color. So in interior design, it's a lot of grays a lot of neutrals, but then the splash of color with the art has been a lot of what we've noticed. And that's another thing that we're offering out of Fogue Galleries. I also have a degree in interior design. It's been my side hustle for about 25 years. Mm -hmm. I'll take an interior design gig when I can get one, and I flipped a couple houses. And so I'm doing Zoom interior design consultations. So you can show me, we can walk around your house with your computer, mm -hmm. and you can show me where you want art to be what kind of lighting you have and where you want to be or help decorate your Zoom office. Because I've seen some pretty sad Zoom offices on these Zoom calls. <laughs> so that's another add-on service that you can book online and we can do the whole thing online so mm -hmm. nobody has to come into your house. And it really does help people to show me the space and the size and I can send them some pictures of art of what I think would fit in that space. So that's another service that we're doing that's new and different pivoting on the COVID. Yeah, that's a very nice pivot. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks. And we also have an online store. Mm -hmm. And so you can shop online on our website at FogGallery.com as well. Now, some people would say that 50 is not old. You know, uh, some people would, but a lot of people think it is. Did any of the artists in the first go-round of this, did any of them push back on that and say, oh, I don't want to be classified as old? 
Very few, I don't think, and we don't really classify it as old as just bucking the stereotypes of ageism. So it's not like, we're old people. Well, that's not so bad to be old, older, old. Right. And sadly, most people do feel that they're being pushed out at 50. In the company that I worked for, they fired 23 of us. They wow. let us go, yeah. And because we're all executives as well, mm -hmm. and so they want cheaper and younger. And that happens to a lot of men and women. Most of our artists are women. And women really do feel ageism. If you lose your looks, air quoting here, you lose your value. Mm -hmm. and, and you get treated like mom at work. And I hated that when I got treated like mom at work. Yeah. And it's like, well, don't make me mother you. It's pretty simple. Right. So I had I, maybe one or two people and all the people that we've had that was like, I don't want people to know I'm 50. I'm like, they know. <laughs> it's just, you're not fooling anybody. They know and be proud of it. Don't be ashamed of it. And it's taking that shame away that empowers the artists and it, it empowers the people to not feel like, shh, secret. Why is art important on a community level? I think art is the one thing that connects us because we need to think about art as not just visual art, but we need to think of it as music. I mean, imagine life without music and without design. It doesn't get the credit that it deserves to be the great communicator. It makes a house a home, and whether you're into visual art or listening to music, it can really change your mood, it can change your atmosphere. Imagine driving in the car and never having music in your car. Or even a podcast or a book on tape, that's how old I am, a book on, <laughs> I don't know what it would be called now. But there's writers and poets and it's all the arts and no movies. Imagine no movies, no television, no entertainment. And it's so important for our well-being. And I think it's more important now. We've, we're actually doing pretty well um, considering COVID with selling art because people are realizing how important it is in their lives. And they're also realizing as they stay home and they don't have art around them because they're not going to public places where there's always art around and you just don't really probably realize it or notice it as much. But people are really noticing it's, God, this place is awful <laughs> where I live. I gotta jazz this up. And so you can't even get a contractor or a designer or interior person because everybody's fixing up their homes and, and remodeling and realizing that their environment is so much more important as they spend more hours there. Absolutely. I went through a kitchen remodel myself last summer and it was quite the to-do, but I love it now, especially during the winter when basically all we're doing is cooking three meals a day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And start at four o'clock. Yeah. So you uh, lived in West Seattle for 25 years, and now you're back on the block with your gallery. What feels different about West Seattle now compared to when you first arrived? Oh, gosh. I first arrived in 91, and it's quite a bit different. It was much more small town back when I first moved there. But mm -hmm. the one thing that West Seattle has always been is a really tight-knit community. I got divorced when my daughter was three, and I joined Holy Rosary Church, and she went to Holy Rosary School for nine years. And that sense of community that I had there mm -hmm. was so important to me and really embracing. In fact, when I got laid off and I moved back here to Seattle, and I, I had got a good severance package, but it doesn't last forever, and I still couldn't find a job. My friend Lisa Myers, who owns Capers Home in the Junction, whom I've known forever, she's, she goes, do you need a job? It was definitely a cut and pay, but you know what? I really appreciated it, and I did, and I worked with her for a year, 
and I did a little private label line for her as well. But mostly I just worked retail and that's actually how I met a lot of my folks and started the idea and decided that there was a real need for people over 50 to have some more opportunity and it wasn't just me. So that sense of community in West Seattle I think has always been there and it's even tighter now that the bridge is out again. Yeah. And the support that the community is giving the local businesses and restaurants, they really care and they really want to see it survive. And it just takes forever to get anywhere. And so they're like, oh, thank God there's more stuff coming in West Seattle instead mm -hmm. of people going out of business because I think they really do want to support all of us and keep it local. And that bridge is going to be out for a while. I'm hoping people find us and embrace us like they have the other places in the community. But I think that West Seattle's come into its character. I like that there's not chain restaurants and chain stores so much mm -hmm. in the junction areas. And... They're independent entrepreneurial businesses that are really supported. You know, that like West Five came and brought me a bottle of champagne, Dave from Aww. West Five, just for our opening. And Menashe Jeweler friended me on Instagram and welcomed me to the neighborhood. And it's just, it's really a great, awesome place to live and to work and have a business. I can tell already. And you will be participating in the art walk that happens every month? We are not just participating. We are actually sponsors of the art oh. walk. And I am on the arts council for West oh. Seattle. So in Georgetown at Fogue Studios, I was on the board of directors for the Merchants Association mm -hmm. for Georgetown. So I immediately wanted to jump in and contribute and participate in my community in West Seattle. That's really important to me to have those connections and I always feel like you can't complain if you don't vote or if you don't participate or if you don't volunteer. So if you want to make change or keep things how you want, not necessarily how you want them, but at least have some input on how you feel about things that you need to jump in and participate. You can check out Fogue Gallery at the Always Jump In Junction Art Walk, held on the second Thursday of each month from 5 p.m. till late. They're also open Fridays through Sundays. For hours and more info, visit foguegallery.com. That's it for this episode of Always West Seattle. You can show support for this free community podcast just by leaving a comment or review on whatever platform you're streaming from. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates. Always West Seattle is a Made with Bacon production. Interviews are edited for brevity and clarity. I'm Keith Bacon. Thanks for listening.